Welcome to the Empaths Revolution podcast, the home of intersectional spirituality. Empaths Revolution is a platform dedicated to empowering, informing and supporting empaths and other spiritually sensitive people via podcasts, expert guests, blogs, books and personal one-to-one and group support. I'm your host, Harris Eddie Hill, and I'm non-binary, neurodivergent and an intuitive empath. I'm a podcaster, best-selling author, NLP practitioner and timeline therapist, and I'm pleased to bring you today's episode. everyone and welcome back to this episode and I'm so excited to be joined by Axel today. How are you Axel? I'm doing great. Thank you for having me on here. I'm so excited. Such a pleasure. I was so glad that you said yes. Uh, I often send people that I consider to have big platforms messages like do you want to be on my podcast? And I'm so excited when they respond and say yes. So thank you so much for agreeing to come on. Um, and I found, for those of you listening, I found Axel on TikTok. You seem to have quite a 120,000 followers or something on TikTok. Uh, no, so like right now on TikTok, I think I have like 135,000. Um, oh, okay. But like, yeah, I have like a ton of millions of views for certain contents that I make. Yeah. Nice. That's cool. So how long have you been on TikTok and how long have you been talking about like, you know, what it is that you do? Um. Okay, so... TikTok, I think I only joined in 2020, to be honest. Um, and I was never going to join TikTok. One of my friends had gotten on there. He, sh- he was like channeling and he got like these divine messages that like your message is going to really pop off if you go on TikTok. And I saw like the um, like the headway that he got with his message. And he particularly targets um, like helping women empower themselves in specific areas of spirituality. And he was like, you should definitely try it. He's like, I know it sounds like really out there or whatever, but he's like, I feel like if you go on there, you're going to get like some headway. And I said, fine. So I went on there and I remember like in the first six months, like just creating a couple of videos, I blew up to like 50,000 people. I don't know where in 2021, it went way past like the 100,000 mark. Um, I've made really great connections to there. And really what I do on TikTok is I try to condense spirituality and like 60 second clips and it's really hard um for this world because everybody's like oh yeah you know I want to become super psychic and like by the end of the weekend or whatever you know and um I try my best to give them the juice of everything um from having to practice it myself every day for my entire life you know I mean it's taken me 30 something years to become a master psychic and like here are the key tips of like how you have to get here but always everyone ends up like kind of like omitting the fact that they need to practice and they need to be dedicated to it so that's where I end up having like YouTube and Instagram and classes where I can actually go a little bit deeper and take my time with you one-on-one or or elsewhere Mm -hmm. nice that's so cool did you ever think that you were going to get into this kind of work or was it a surprise um to the scale that I'm at like I always had it in the back of my mind like I I've always been like oh yeah I'm gonna be like I'm gonna be really famous and I'm gonna teach people how to do something but I never really understood what it would be and across the years it's definitely changed like I started off teaching people 
you know, it's like basic Reiki. And then I started exploring Reiki. I modified it. Um, it became like globally renowned. It's called quantum Reiki. And then after a while, I got bored of that. And I'm like, okay, well, let's dive into other like energy modalities. And now uh, over the last two years, I think most people have gotten really into the law of attraction. Um, and they've also gotten into like quantum physics and quantum jumping and changing your mindset to like create the reality that you want. And um, it's, I didn't really expect myself to be here talking about what I'm talking about because it, it does have so much in common with like metaphysics and stuff like that and like shamanism and psychic abilities, but it's just a different way to explain it, um, which has become fun. It just keeps you on your toes. You know what I mean? But yeah, I, I've always been raised and geared to be a shaman. So like I come from a long line of shamans. My family was like, this is our way. This is what you're going to end up doing at the end of the day, like get used to it. So I already had a general idea. Like I would be in the spiritual world, just not sure how. That's so cool. So where, whereabouts are you based, Axel? Where do you live? Um, so I'm in the America. So the Americas, or yeah, uh, the USA. I'm in Detroit, Michigan. So uh, yeah, I've been here for like about 10 years now. And um, it's been pretty cool. I mean, I live on a ley line. So it's like a ma massive energy portal that goes right through the city itself. Um, and I ended up just kind of like, the universe put me here and I realized that since Detroit has a lot of trauma, like being a high vibrational person, I'm basically helping the land heal itself by being here. So, um, yeah, it's been a lot of what I've been doing, but I travel a lot across uh, like the U S and I also go to Canada a lot as well, uh, to teach and do workshops. So, yeah. That's so cool. Um, so if you've got like your tradition of shamanism in your family, but then you're also talking about a lot of new age stuff, is there anything that you think from a shaman's point of view about new age uh, spirituality? Is there anything that annoys you or it's like misinformation or like common misconceptions? Uh, yeah, I mean, I have a whole list of it. Um, Go for your favorite I think, ones. I think <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> uh, I think my top three, number one is that like, there's only one way of being spiritual and acting um, like, you know, you, that you can only practice spirituality if you come from a specific culture, like, um, you know, I'm a shaman, shamanism has an, over 140 different styles of shamanism, some of them are really dark. Um, where they do sacrifices and voodoo and stuff like that. Others are really like nature-based and beautiful and light-oriented. Um, and it, you don't like, I mean, I've I've trained with shamans that know how to do like ayahuasca and they live in Ecuador and I'm not Ecuadorian, but I've gone down there. I've asked them, hey, I humbly want to learn your craft. Like, please, will you show me it? And they're like, yeah, for sure, whatever. Like, there's no cultural appropriation that oh yo you're puerto rican or you're from the states like you can't learn our craft like there's never been that experience and on social media like there's a lot of people who like defend that narrative that like you guys stay in your lane and when you look at like even energy medicine like reiki energy medicine was was channeled by a japanese man in japan okay like if that were the case why why is the rest of the world practicing reiki right like shouldn't it just be stuck with japanese people right because it came from their culture and it's one of those things that like it, when we start kind of it's similar to like the lgbtq community like we created so many divisions that now it's hard for us to 
sometimes even find a unity in what we're doing is what I personally found, at least in the States here um, in Detroit, there's so much division that it's like, if you're not, you know, if you're not a bear, well, you can't hang out with us, you know? And like, if you don't fit this one aesthetic, you can't be here. And it's kind of like, I see the same thing happening in the spiritual world where it's like, you know, if you're not of Jewish descent that you can't practice Jewish mysticism when there's so many people who convert into Judaism at some point, rather they marry into it, they just found their path there. So like, there's all that, that middle ground. That one's the first one. Um, I think the second one really is that like, you like all healers and all spiritual people have to be like pushovers or kind. Um, I'm definitely not that person. Like one of the reasons why I bring such a high result rate to all of my clients and my students is because I don't play that BS. Like, let me just coddle you into your own lies. You know what I mean? Like if you're here to learn and to evolve, you need someone who can see the things that you can't see. And if someone's always catering to you from the angle that makes you most comfortable, you're not going to grow. Like, and that's like the end of the day, every guru that I've ever worked with, whether it's to learn shamanism or learn business or anything else that I've wanted to know, they've been very cutthroat. They've been kind, they've been caring, but they've also been like, listen, this is this one bullshit you've been doing. You got to wake up we're going to stop doing this right now. And it's just kind of like a lot of times people are like, oh, but you're a healer. You can't treat me that way. It's like, no, like you're, what you're asking for is a transformation and a transformation is not always going to be easy, whether it comes to like your own life shifts and your own characteristics shifting, or the person that you're working with directly is going to call you out on your stuff and make you feel uncomfortable. And like, you know, every, every healer, every therapist has their own way of bringing those results. But that's another major thing I think that a lot of people have have absorbed and even like saying that like you can't have money or you can't charge particularly for a specific craft that you do. So like one of the things that I like to argue with people who are like, oh, well, you can't, you know, you can't charge the prices that you charge for shamanism or Reiki or energy healing. I've spent, I've spent well close to like half a million dollars on my own education to learn rather something from college or something in, um, you know, overseas training with somebody like I've put the work in for myself to learn these crafts. So at the end of the day, unless you're going to be paying those bills, I got to charge accordingly for that craft. Right. And also like how many other people can bring the level of results that like myself or my students can bring where like you have one session with us and your whole entire experience changes. Like you're no longer dealing with the thing that you've been struggling with for the last 20 years. Right. Like you also, you have to also look at that. And like, oftentimes when it comes to, to like energy medicine or Eastern practices, and the Western world, nobody asks why the Western world is charging ridiculous prices for certain things that don't need to be that expensive. You know what I mean? Like, and people are willing to pay whatever it is that the Western world asks for in terms of medical services without batting an eye. But then when a holistic treatment that can be even more efficient than Western practices comes around, there's always like this haggling, like you're not supposed to be charging for your gifts. Like, each shaman, each spiritual person has gone through their own trials and tribulations. And even if they haven't paid physically money for anything that they've gone for, they've had to sacrifice a belief system or sacrifice time or, you know, a habit to really attain a specific level of mastery. And like a lot of times people don't even like consider that. So I would say like, those are the top three, you know, like mm. the fact that people think you need to be nice, that you shouldn't be charging and that like, you got to stay in your lane. 
-hmm. yeah I, I like a lot of what you've said and I think there's a there's a massive difference like so about your first point of like cultural appropriation I think there's a really big difference between wearing somebody's uh culture as a costume on Halloween and then actually practicing an energy or a spiritual practice in earnest because you are genuinely aligned with it like I think those are two mm -hmm. very different things but um and what you were saying about people paying extortionate prices for their health care and yet being stingy about paying so, like a holistic healer or whatever to me that is massively it massively echoes the, the white supremacy and the control that the medical world wants to maintain now you know a, um, a western doctor might say oh but we're concerned that people are going to be misled or that their health is going to be harmed and I'm like, listen, these these people, you know, those of us who are who are engaging in this sort of what's considered alternative work, um, we're not cutting out anyone's kidneys here. <laughs> you know, we're offering a kind of spiritual or emotional um, healing, and for most of us, we're we're very ethical about that. And I feel like we we we've got our testimonials. We're we're in it because, you know, for very you know legitimate and heartfelt reasons and mm -hmm. you know i think so i feel like that's reflected in how people treat our our sort of practices in regards to paying us and uh, i was talking to an indian friend the other day and she was saying that in um traditional indian culture if you were a, a sort of healer or you know spiritual person you would you didn't have a job there was no money but you would sort of float around and live at different people's houses and be fed. You know, you were sort of like looked after and considered well, but you were, because of your practice and how sacred it was, you were looked after. It was like kind of distracting for you or beneath you to um, worry about money and all of that stuff. So you were just looked after like from start to finish. But obviously uh, capitalism doesn't really allow for that. <laughs> so mm -hmm. so yeah well that's a, that's the thing too about like like capitalism in the western world in terms of medicine like how many times has medicine over the years proven that it's been flawed to some degree rather they give somebody a pill and it causes all these other side effects to happen or maybe they realize that after 20 years of this one practice is an easier less invasive way of doing it like and a lot of a lot of the Western world is trying to take rather something that's already existed from Eastern cultures or other cultures for a while and then trying to modify it in a mechanized mechanized way, like looking at a car and omitting anything that doesn't fit like car parts. You know what I mean? It's like one of those things is like breaking down a blueprint for its most obvious reasons. So it's kind of like very interesting to see like. You know, there's, I'll give you a great example. Like I was dealing with um, a pretty bad, like pretty bad, like athlete's foot thing on my foot um, for several months, like a year ago. And I went to the Western world. I got like these pills that basically were supposed to flush out whatever was there. And it was basically like draining my liver. My liver is, or everyone's liver is like their energy point of life, right? So you're taking these pills, it's draining your life force from your livers, potentially 
damaging your liver. And then it wasn't working. It wasn't getting rid of whatever was on my foot. So then I finally sit down and I'm like, okay, well, what's an alternative medicine or an alternative way of getting rid of this? And I found that if you took castor oil and you took neem oil with a little bit of clove essential oil and you rubbed it on your feet every day, it would disappear. Lo and behold, it cost me literally all of like $30 to get everything and lasted me the whole entire treatment and I got rid of it versus paying $60 for a bag of pills that weren't really doing anything and just harming my body. And like, there's so many different examples. And then people today as well, like one of the most recent videos that I did on TikTok was sharing some of the technologies, like quantum technologies that I have in my home. And I've purchased this partially for my business as well, because, um, we've now noticed that like sound healing is really powerful that you can use lights with crystals in a specific way and that can heal you. We've known for, you know, over a hundred years that color therapy is super helpful and it's in Western like hospitals where like, if you put green on the wall, it promotes a person to want to heal. If you put blue on the wall, it makes a person want to stay calm, etc. So like, you know, I was sharing this video of like all these different like techniques that I use to help my clients. And then a uh, overwhelming amount of hate just came through talking about like, oh, this guy's delusional. Oh, this guy's crazy. You know, and everyone's just talking like shit. And I'm like, why don't you just go online and look it up for yourself? Like the reason why you think this is crazy is because the whole narrative has been designed to make you think none of this is real. But if you take the time to go on Google, type in any of the things that I've said, you'll see that a lot of this has been coming since the 40s, the 50s, the early 20s. Like, it's just, uh, it's similar to Tesla. You know what I mean? Like Tesla created a way to create, to give everyone free energy. That was not profitable. So he got slammed and made look like a crazy person because it was going to go against the narrative of making a ton of money for a very select few of people. Like, mm -hmm. that's how it is with everything. It's crazy. Yeah. Definitely. I, I was in a, a Facebook group the other day and somebody had posted something about not being able to work five full days a week. Like they got burnt out day five, they got burnt out. And somebody, some bloke had commented uh, and said, oh, well, that's easy. If you've got 40 hours of work, then just do four days of 10 hours a day. And I replied and I said, well, it's a nice idea, but for the average person, they've only got six good hours in them a day and a maximum of five days a week. Um, for mo you know, on, on average. And he said to me, like, where are you getting your data? <laughs> I thought, oh, fuck's sake. And I so I go I so I Googled how productive are people on average? Literally the most simple question. And it came up with thousands of results, a lot of it linking to studies. And so I sort of came back to him and said, look, look, if you Google this, you've got so much information there. Um, this has been well established for many, many years. It's just not that capitalism doesn't honor the, the individual. They honor the money at the expense mm -hmm. of the individual. That's, that's how it works. And this isn't like a crackpot theory. That's literally the definition of like capitalist mm -hmm. attitudes. I'm not making this up. This isn't my opinion. And so I was like, so if you're new to this concept, like, welcome, <laughs> like, welcome to the party. And um, it just, it really disturbs me that a lot of people are not aware of, of how the norms that we're sort of expected to live are like either damaging or they're bullshit or they're um, 
it's it's all for somebody else's benefit and never for our own mm. like it's not it's not a norm that we can just happily accept it's yeah. it, it really bothers me and I think the same comes to medicine I was talking to someone the other day who's um talking about somebody they knew had was problems with their lymph lymphatic system draining they had some build up and I was like here we've got stuff called sticky weed as when you're children you rip it up because it's sticky like velcro and you like throw it at your friends and it sticks to their clothes it's funny um you can make a cold tea with it and it drains your lymph system obviously like no side effects you can get it in your garden for free <laughs> mm-hmm. um and they were like oh you you sure about that i was like L- listen just google it there's loads of plants you don't need to go to the doctor to, to fix mm-hmm. it and take all of this stuff that could potentially do you harm when you can just drink a plant in water. <laughs> yeah. Yep. So, um, well, it, one of the things too, like coming back to like that, that concept that we were just talking about, um, you know, with the state of the world and the pandemic and stuff like that. Um, one of the things that I, I have friends that, you know, they've, they've gotten their treatments and others that haven't. And like, we all respect each other. You know, it's your body, do whatever you got to do. Right. Um, But one of the things that I always stand really firmly by is there's been all these other things that have been, you know, plaguing humanity for such a long time. And we never have gotten together so quickly, like when this pandemic came through to even solve those issues. Right. And like, you have to sit down and ask yourself, why like where where did that come from like we've been dealing with cancer for such a long time there's ways to overcome cancer with natural medicines and doing all these other things but we haven't gone through there like the hiv um epidemic is another one right like it's been around for a while and like if you've studied virology for a while which i do um you end up seeing that like there's a similarity between what just most recently happened in 2020 with like um, HIV itself. And there's like a few lists, like the same is almost like the same structure, but how was it possible that we were able to create such a rapid result for COVID and we haven't done it for anything else. And it's kind of like, okay, is it because of the money? Is it because the science is lacked? Is it because this was such a huge deal that it came from a lab that people were actually like freaking out? Like it, it forces you to think and ask a different narrative as to like, what's actually happening. Is it the money or is it because they're actually, worried about your health because if they were worried about your health and this is the other thing i think about because i work with a lot of people who have hiv it's like you know they spiked like in america they spiked hiv pills from being affordable to being like 300 dollars a pill which is three thousand dollars a month for the average person if they don't have insurance nobody got angry and did anything about that to save the people like why you know what i mean like it's it really does make you question mm-hmm. yeah i mean i I see that point absolutely and I think part of the reason that the the response to what I would say COVID was as rapid was two things firstly because of the the threat to economics and secondly because it was highly contagious and therefore even the rich and the and people who would normally not worry about certain things would get it Mm -hmm. and there was no you know, there's there's no um, medication that that is guaranteed to help you survive it if if you're at risk of death. Like I think that this poses a genuine uh, threat that money couldn't fix. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? And you know, you only have to look at the attitudes. You know, you know this, but for the, for the listeners, you only have to look at the attitudes to HIV when it first 
like came onto the scene and it was entering people's awareness and you know there was no help and and you know when they were doing the trials for the life-saving drugs they you know it was often a battle to get a lot of um queer people on that medication in the first place in the trials and a lot of them uh would have made great great candidates for the trials but they weren't like no they, they didn't there weren't enough people to fight for them to get those drugs and they died while like during the trials when they could have been saved mm -hmm. and you know people only started to really take it personally once it entered the world of um heterosexual people like it was up yep. until that point they were like well it's your it's your disease queer people and like good luck yeah but we don't they were care. calling it a yeah, they were calling it a gay cancer. Like, if you're gay, yeah, that's just what comes with the territory. You know what I mean? And that's, that's, I was having that same conversation with one of my friends the other day, too. I was like, it wasn't until like they realized that it was affecting like bi people who were then introducing it to like, you know, straight people or like people who were living, living double lives, you know, like queer men that I still had a wife and they would still go home and like live that lifestyle. You know, it really didn't matter until it started affecting like the general populace and had and it makes you just question, like, had they given a shit right there off the bat when it was actually affecting this small group of people? Could we have stopped it at the greater scale? You know? Yeah, absolutely. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Are you looking to get your energy in order, spring clean your life and manifest things you actually want? My Align Your Life Starter Pack has helped people to relieve insomnia, anxiety, to become grounded and to manifest exciting new things as well as cut energetic cords with people who are draining their energy. And as a bonus, it's designed with non-visual and neurodivergent people in mind, so it's more accessible than most things currently on the market. Affordable and instantly downloadable, you can find it at mooksharrishill.com forward slash my bl align your life reclaim your power so i wanted to ask you axel um because I, I i have a similar story in that um i recovered from ptsd but that was after i think so i got ptsd when i was nine lived with it for 20 years i'd been backwards and forwards between counselors uh, you know psychs all of these different like therapists and stuff and none of them helped me with my PTSD let alone help me recover from it and then when I was 28 about to turn 29 um I went to this therapist that I knew like socially and I was like can you help me with something and it was about something totally different and whilst we were doing the assessment at the beginning she was like oh do you want to deal with your PTSD and I was like well I think I'm doing a good job and she's like but do you want to get rid of it and I was like what you can do that she's like yeah so we did a bit of other work first and then did it and it was gone in one session and my mind was blown I was like I can't believe I've been living with it for all this time because all these like excuse the criticism but all of these fucking useless <laughs> like traditional people that I've been to have massively let me down and even if they they themselves couldn't help me do it. They should have at least made me aware that it was possible and there were and who to look for. Like there was no, it was kind of like, you know, this, this Western psychology is, is top tier stuff. You're not going to get anything better. If I can't help you, then it's tough. What was your experience yeah. with, with trauma? 
Oh man. Um, so I think my PTSD, my PTSD kind of like comes from the age I was like seven or eight is when it really started like summoning itself, um, and developing, but yeah, I got this, I had the same thing where like, I dealt with it the best that I could until I was about like 24. Um, I was kind of like just trying to navigate my own pain and my own, my own story. Then I had gotten married and then I got divorced around like 24. Like we got married around like 22, 23 and then got divorced at 24. And I remember like during that process, like all these things had happened that like, it just felt like my whole entire world was collapsing. And I got to a point where I shut down and all I could do was sleep. I couldn't like even feed myself or go outside or do anything. And I, I remember being like, okay, I got to go get help. And I went to a psychologist and all she would do was talk to me. Like, don't get me wrong. Like conventional therapy talking is helpful up until a certain point because if the person is always still like reiterating your story and like confirming like the pain that you're going through and not pushing you to see like the brighter side of everything they're not really helping you after a while. And that's kind of like what happened with my therapist is like, she would be like, Oh, so how are you feeling today? Well, I'm still feeling anxiety. Like I did last week. Oh yeah. You know, it happens. You just gotta, you just gotta learn how to cope with it. And it's just like, what do you mean? Like, how do I cope with it? And then she'd be like, here, we're going to write you this prescription. And I remember I was like on fucking like six, six or seven different prescriptions for anxiety, for depression, for libido, for, you know, like when I couldn't control myself. And I, there came one moment where I was just like, you know what, I can't keep taking all these pills. Cause if I keep taking these pills, they all have like these other side effects. They're all affecting me in different ways. Like I, I doesn't make sense to me to keep going in this direction if it's not giving me any results. And I said, okay, well, I'm going to stop. I'm going to still keep getting all my pills just in case if one day, like I need them. And what I started doing was I started showing to myself, I started putting them in bags and showing like, this is the amount of pills that goes into your body every month. Like that's so hard on your body, Axel. There's got to be another way. There's got to be another way. And I just started meditating. And through meditation is where I found energy work. And that energy work showed me that like my mind was the only thing that was holding on to my PTSD and like how I was using those memories to justify what was not only happening to me in the future, what was happening now in the present and why things that happened to me in the past, like it, I was using it as a crutch to, to validate myself for whatever reason. And everyone has a different reason as to why they use their trauma or their pain to validate their existence. And sometimes people have a hard time accepting that they're like, I would never like want to own this story, but subconsciously, unconsciously you do, because you don't know who you are without that story a lot of the time. And it's been so accustomed to your body's trained to remember that narrative and to want to find proof to supply itself with that story. It's the same thing with the law of attraction and, and synchronicity. Like when you ask the cosmos, Hey, I want an answer on how to you know, really start living the life of my dreams this year, the universe is going to start throwing all these like synchronicities at you. So you can start viewing that and go on that path. But that's one of the things that I think through PTSD, it really taught me was just like, why do I keep looking for the synchronicities to validate my PTSD? How about I just say I can create something new 
and I, I'm going to be open. And I remember that was one of the last things that I had to do to really like get out of it was there was one day where I was like, yo, I can't even get up to go to the bathroom. I can't feed myself. My friends are coming over. I feel like a burden to my friends. I was like, I'm done with this life. Like if this is all that's left over in my life, this is not who I am. I'm going to just forfeit my life and cross over. Like it'd be a lot easier for everybody involved. And I remember, you know, the, the cliche story of like, you start seeing the lights of like crossing over. And right before I was about to go to the light, I had another secondary thought that was like, if the answer does exist, though, it's just not in this dimension, this physical dimension, I'm willing to go wherever I got to go to go get it. And as soon as I said that, that's when I started channeling like this energy medicine that I've been practicing on people. And that then showed me that like, you know, it doesn't really matter what it is. It's all in your body. Like you can tell your body exactly what to do, how to reprogram itself. And then over the years, like it's been 10 years since that moment that I had that awakening. And today's quantum science is validating everything that I, I had no proof of validating back then. You know what I mean? So it's just kind of like, it, and I'm not saying like Western medicine doesn't help people because there are some people who like, yeah, they, they do need certain medications and certain therapies, but the general like diagnosis for a lot of people is not what's necessary. Like it should be used as an introductory to label, like stabilize them and then give them the powers of meditation, of diet, of like, you know, even changing their environment to promote their health, to shift into a new state of being. Cause a lot of times we like, you know, we're experiencing PTSD and we're with people who only want to validate the PTSD. Oh, he can't do this because, you know, he had this one accident and it's only a crutch. It's not actually allowing you to evolve past what you're experiencing. Mm, definitely. Yeah. I hear that. I think, you know, if I fall off a ladder and break my leg and the bone is like sticking out of the skin, then I'm going to go to the emergency room. Right. Um, and they'll sort of maybe sort of um, put it back together. But I, I feel like for so many other things, um, it really is in the mind. I, I had a surgery to, on my shoulder two days before my 18th birthday. I'm in my 30s now, so it's quite a, a while ago. And I woke up paralyzed from the um on one side I, I could still walk but it was like my left sort of part of my torso so I could still more or less move my fingers but I couldn't use my arm really um and it would just sort of hang there and and when I woke up for the next day I was in surgery for like six hours and it was the last surgery of the day so I, I went straight to sleep it was night time and I woke up the next day and it didn't work and I was like oh that's quite funny and at no point was I like oh my god my life is over you know I was like you know, I think it'll be fine. And actually the recovery process was hilarious. Like the, some of the weird things that my limb would do as it was sort of learning to work again. And people are like, oh my God, I'm so sorry that you're paralyzed. Like this must be terrible. I was like, you must, you must be joking. This is so funny. <laughs> and it wasn't, I wasn't dissociated from it. You know, I was connected to it. I would, you know, really tend to it and massage it. And, you know, I went to physio every week for a year. Um, but my attitude to it was very different. And similarly, in my early 20s, I was told that I had endometriosis. And I was like, oh, bloody hell. And they were like, you, you have this for life until you go through like menopause or something. Um, you know, this is it. And I was like, I just don't agree. 
they're like what do you mean this is this is a condition you just have it and I was like I just don't believe that I don't I don't think that's true and they were like what are you talking about and I've had friends who've had endometriosis and they've suffered terribly for years and had multiple operations and it's like it's like a lifelong battle but I just decided it wasn't true so I had a couple of um I had one one operation um to remove whatever they found and then after that I changed my diet like I learned how to support my body and then the next time they went in to in, like in an operation like through they're going through your belly button and stuff and they went in and they were like oh it's gone now you don't have it and I was like well I told you I told you I wouldn't have it anymore and they're like oh well it's just a fluke it's just a coincidence and I was like for goodness sake oh, yeah <laughs> Yeah, no, definitely not. And that was like, I had a very similar experience, like, um, like two years ago, I was sleeping, I was in the dead of my sleep. Okay. And I, all of a sudden started hearing you got to drink water, drink water, get up right now and start chugging water like crazy. Just do it, just do it. And I didn't understand why it was my intuition is being like, yo, something's about to go down, go take care of it right now. So I started chewing, I started like basically drinking as much water as I can. And then at one point I'm like, why am I doing this? Like, is this like some sort of weird, like pseudo psychosomatic thing I'm creating for myself? And it was like, you got kidney stones, you got kidney stones and they're about to come out. Like you need to be ready for it. Keep chugging water. And I said, okay, well, I feel great right now, but whatever. And then surely enough, like 45 minutes after that last message, my kidneys started hurting and I was like so much pain and I could feel the stones moving and I was like, oh my God. And then the next morning I go to the doctor and I'm like, listen, I got kidney stones. I need you to help me with whatever it is that you guys do for this. And the doctor, of course, is like, how do you even know this? Like most people would just say that, but like, we're not going to say you have kidney stones. And I said, listen, I'm a super high psychic. I was like, I'm a shaman. I do this all the time. I can talk to people's bodies. I can talk to my body. I know for a fact I have kidney stones. I need you to do something about this right now. And the doctor's like, okay, well, we got to do like a scan. And then the scan's going to take about a week to come back with the results. And then we can tell you whether or not like you, you still have like those kidney stones or whatever. And then we'll give you medication. And I said, okay, fine, fine, fine. I was like, well, I can't wait a week. I'm like, this is horrible. So I'm just going to take care of it. However it is that I need to. I started doing energy work on myself. I started doing like herbalism, like drinking like a lot of lemon water and stuff like that. And then a week's time, like I ended up between the week, the, the the appointment that I had with her and getting the results back, I ended up peeing out both the kidney stones. I saved them. And then she comes back and she's like, oh, well, it does look like you do have kidney stones. She's like, so here, I'm going to give you this like medication. I'm like, no, dude, it's done. I'm like, and I showed her the bag. I'm like, these were what were there. And then she was mind blown. She was like, how did you know? I'm like, literally my body was telling me this like this is what your body can do and like we spent like the next like hour and a half talking about you know like the power of the body but she felt so bad after the fact because if she would have just listened to me I could have not I could have gotten rid of it so much faster than having to just do the energy work and stuff like that Mm -hmm. yeah it's mind-blowing isn't it and I think I feel like western medicine there's a lot of good in it but I also I feel like without incorporating the body and its wisdom sometimes the shortest route might be a western practice or medication or surgery or something sometimes that is going to be the best outcome for somebody but I feel like until we 
until people are like connected with their body or can you know until that that aspect is like involved i think outcomes are going to be so varied and so unpredictable and there might be something way simpler so that being said axel what what is the what do you do for your for work and how do you help people what what does your sort of working week look like um, so I teach a lot. So I teach people how to do energy medicine. I teach them my particular brand of energy medicine, which I teach two kinds. One of them is quantum Reiki. It's the most powerful Reiki in the world. Um, I've spent years kind of studying all the different forms of Reiki that were out there. And I found like missing pieces to them. And I was like, what, what's missing here? And that's how quantum Reiki came to be. So that's already like global. It's in 140 countries and like 50 languages. So that's really cool. Um, I also teach uh, anti-alchemy, which is like more advanced, like energy medicine. It's for like the people who are going through something like super severe and they've tried everything and they're ready to get to the next level, whether it's PTSD, fibromyalgia, et cetera. Or it's for the people who are like, I've been doing energy work forever. I want to bring in more of an impact to my clients and I want to bring more of like expertise. It's like the the, the doctorate level for energy work for people who are really at that level. Um, so well, I'm usually doing that rather on Patreon, my YouTube, my TikTok, my Instagram, I'm usually like educating or I'm working one-on-one -on -one with people as well um, to become the coaches. So like my, my school is called the Antohai Ascension Academy. Um, you can find me on antohai.us with all the other stuff that you got to look for um, to basically find what works for you. But yeah, on an average day is... I'm, I don't normally work with people. I used to work with people every day um, until I got to a point where I was like, oh my God, like working with people and being an empath, a psychic, like you absorb the negative energy, even if you don't want to, you know what I mean? So it was getting like really, really taxing, especially working with more complicated things. Um, and then now I'm like, okay, well, I'd rather do it in a group, a group setting or making sure that I can get you from point A to point B guaranteed versus by appointment you know what I mean because sometimes some people come for one appointment and even though it's really powerful like there's so many other things that are twined with what's actually happening to you and you might not be able to see that just yet so like having like a longer set of sessions with with me would help me like pinpoint not only okay this is what's happening in your body this is where it's coming from in work this is where it's coming from over here and it's like a full life transformation is more of what I do with people nowadays yeah I love that and just uh, remind, uh, remind us what Antahai means or what it's about. What's the ethos? Yeah, so Antahai means three different definitions. Um, and depending on where you come from is what it's going to do for you at that time. So a lot of times people come in with wanting to basically enhance their life. So the first meaning is the cravings of life. And you start realizing how reality is more easy to work with. Like you can tell it what to do. You can tell your body what to do. And you start bending reality. So the first things that might, when people come in from that aspect is like, they can control time. They can communicate with nature. They can do a lot of like really powerful things like that. Um, the second definition is the cravings of victory. So this is more so when people have realized that reality is really lucid, they're psychic, they can do all these other things like, okay, how can we take that to the next level and start manifesting for other people? You know what I mean? And then the final definition of it is the power of the gods where um, you've been probably practicing spirituality for a very long time. 
you've kind of dove into everything, but you still notice that there's something still crucially missing from it. And that's like the final stage of it is where you learn how to basically become your own conduit. You could channel whatever it is that you want at any given moment. You can talk to any deity, any being in the cosmos with extreme ease. And it becomes like second nature. It's like you completely transition from this world into living in a secondary world that's almost super late on top of on top of this one so it's it's very powerful for people who reach that final stage and those are usually the people that go out and you know start teaching other people and stuff like that because it's become so integral in their life but onto high is basically a lifestyle and that's what i tell everyone is like it's not like if you're going to learn it for yourself i i always think it's better for you to learn to for yourself than me doing a, a healing session on you because you can carry that medicine with you you can carry the ideas you can give it to other people and that's how we create like that ripple effect of changing reality um i'm really fond on like giving the power back to the people and not being codependent because there's so much like even in the energy healing world there's a lot of codependency where a person will tell you oh well you gotta come for 15 different sessions because they feel a lack of abundance like if they lose a client then they're not going to make money next month or something and that's never been my premise i never work off of like return clients if somebody does return then they're coming because they want to, you know what I mean? Not because I'm telling you, you have to, or I'm setting it up that way, you know? Yeah, I love that. And I totally agree. Uh, I recently decided that I absolutely was only going to work with people on an ad hoc basis. So they could, you know, similar, similar, I guess, to a therapy practice where if people wanted ongoing support and there's lots of different things they wanted to work on, then they could come back as much as they like. But if they only wanted to deal with um, one particular issue, they might they might come for one or, one or maybe two sessions, mm -hmm. just to kind of you know. And for me, that feels far more free and liberating. And I feel like I can sell that, and I feel like there's integrity there. And I think codependency is very much what breeds the situations that I've been in, and, and a lot of other people have been in, where you're stuck with a therapist who's not really helping you but you're sort of meant to be going like for ages mm -hmm. and ages i've got friends who've been going to the same therapist for like five years and they're yeah. they're still dealing with basic things like anxiety and i'm like you you can get rid of that in like a really short amount of time you're being ripped off like massively ripped off and they're like Oh, well, you know, I, I don't know. I, I sort of, I, I'm happy with where it's going. I'm like, oh, I see. You just want to suffer a bit more than that. That's fine. That's your choice. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's that. the thing too. Like some people just want to be enabled. They like, again, coming back to like that story of PTSD, like some people just want to keep revisiting it. And it takes a lot of personal strength to realize that you can change the narrative and you don't have to keep revisiting it. You can just become a new version of yourself. So yeah, it does take, it, especially if you want to heal yourself, like a lot of times people are like, oh, energy healing sounds so woo-woo. It still requires you to look at yourself and work on yourself, you know, but it can be extremely fast. Yeah, massively. Yeah, and I totally agree. Um, Axel, thank you so much for joining us today. If people want to get hold of you or like maybe attend your school or book an appointment with you, how can they find you? Yeah, so it's uh, antohai.us, A as in Apple, N as in Nancy, T as in tomato, O, J as in Jack, A as in Apple, I.us. Um, and you can use that same antohai key phrase, TikTok, Instagram, YouTube, um, and on Patreon as well. So I'm everywhere. 
uh, depending on where, what level you want to take it at, like is kind of like the kind of services that I have. So like my Patreon is more so like monthly topics that we go through, but if you're really ready to like become an Ascension coach and teach people how to like really change their lives and even become an Ascended master yourself and bend reality, uh, my school is definitely the place to go and you can check out, um, how to basically get on a call with one of my coaches or myself to see if you're a good fit for it beautiful thank you so much it's been yeah absolute pleasure yeah thanks for having me thank you so much for listening to this episode if you enjoyed it and think someone you know might benefit from it please do share it with them and leave me a review if you'd like more resources and information you can go to my website mooksharrishill.com where you can also join my mailing list or Facebook group to stay up to date and in contact. You can also connect with me on social media at Empaths Revolution. The Empaths Revolution podcast was created and produced by your host, Harris Eddie Hill.